This audio lecture is based entirely upon the casebook, Professional Responsibility, an open source casebook by Brian L. Fry and Elizabeth Schiller. The casebook is licensed Creative Commons Zero, no rights reserved. That means that the authors have explicitly disclaimed any copyright claim in all of the original elements that they created in writing this casebook and have intentionally placed the casebook in the public domain. Much thanks is due to Brian and Elizabeth for writing this book and placing it in the public domain for everybody to use. In furtherance of this spirit of open source, I also license this audio lecture as Creative Commons Zero, No Rights Reserved. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everybody to Section 4 of the Practice of Law Modules. In Section 4, we'll talk about conflicts of interest. So identifying conflicts of interest. First we ask, what is a conflict of interest? Attorneys must always watch for and avoid conflicts of interest. A conflict of interest exists whenever an attorney may have to choose between the interests of a client and some other interest. Under the fiduciary duty of loyalty, attorneys must always put the interests of their clients before any other interests, including their own. Accordingly, a conflict of interest exists whenever the interests of a client differ from the interests of another client, the attorney, or a third party with a relationship to the attorney. Broadly speaking, there are four categories of conflicts of interest. That is, conflicts between the interests of a client and the lawyer's own interests, the lawyer's duties to another client, the lawyer's duties to a former client, and the lawyer's duties to a third person. The conflict of interest rules are intended to ensure that attorneys observe the duty of loyalty by preventing them from representing clients with competing interests. However, the term conflict of interest is hard to define with any precision because the concept of a conflict of interest is both procedural and substantive, reflecting the intersection of formal rules and normative values. Not every formal conflict of interest presents a real conflict of interest. Some conflicts are trivial and do not create a substantial concern. Others are merely speculative and do not require analysis. Formally, a conflict of interest exists whenever an attorney's legal duties to a client actually or potentially conflict with the interests of the attorney, another actual or potential client, or a third party to whom the attorney has a legal duty. But substantively, 
perhaps not every formal conflict of interest should necessarily qualify as an actual conflict of interest. Many are trivial, and many more will never materialize. If a formal conflict of interest does not present a substantive conflict, is it really a conflict at all? Ultimately, the definition of a conflict of interest depends on the purpose of the conflict's rules. If the purpose of the rules is to protect clients from their attorneys, then perhaps the rules should be interpreted and applied literally in order to ensure that unscrupulous attorneys cannot avoid regulation. But if the purpose of the rules is to govern a business relationship between clients and their attorneys, then perhaps the rules should be interpreted and applied more flexibly in order to help parties reach a mutually agreeable outcome. Resolving Conflicts of Interest While conflicts of interest implicate the duty of loyalty, They do not necessarily preclude representation or require withdrawal from representation. Some conflicts of interest cannot be resolved. For example, an attorney cannot represent both the plaintiff and the defendant in an action and typically cannot represent any parties with actual or potential claims against each other. But many conflicts of interest can be resolved if the attorney can represent the client without breaching the duty of loyalty, and the client provides informed consent to representation despite the conflict. Waiver of Conflicts of Interest In order to resolve a conflict of interest problem, Attorneys should apply the four-step process outlined in Model Rule 1.7, Comment 2. That is, 1. Clearly identify the client or clients. 2. Determine whether a conflict of interest exists. 3. Decide whether the representation may be undertaken despite the existence of a conflict, that is, whether the conflict is consentable, and four, if so, consult with the clients affected and obtain their informed consent confirmed in writing. This process provides a framework for identifying, evaluating, and resolving conflicts of interest. Essentially, it requires an attorney to ask one whether an attorney-client relationship exists. Two, whether the attorney's legal duties to a client conflict with the interests of the attorney, another current or former client, or a third party to whom the lawyer owes a legal duty. Three, whether representation is legally permissible and practically possible under the circumstances. And four, whether the client is adequately informed of the nature and potential consequences of the conflict and has consent to representation in writing 
despite the conflict. However, each of those steps requires an exercise of judgment on the part of the attorney. Identifying clients. A client is any party with whom an attorney has an attorney-client relationship of any kind. The conflict of interest rules apply to both clients and quasi-clients. As a consequence, a party may be a client for the purpose of the conflict of interest rules, even if the attorney did not intend to form an attorney-client relationship. For example, a party that disclosed confidential information to an attorney in the course of seeking representation may be a client for the purpose of the conflict of interest rules, even if the party never hired the attorney. The agents or employees of a client organization may be clients. If they reasonably believe the attorney has agreed to represent them personally or have provided confidential information pertaining to their own circumstances. And a subsidiary of a client organization may also be a client if the attorney effectively represents the subsidiary as well as the parent. Identifying conflicts of interest. A conflict of interest exists if an attorney's fiduciary duties to a client conflict with the interests of the attorney. Another current or former client or a third party to whom the attorney owes a legal duty. In other words, if the interests of the attorney, another current or former client, or third party could provide an incentive for the attorney not to observe those legal duties to the client, then a conflict of interest exists. If the attorney could benefit from putting another interest ahead of the client's interest, providing less than candid and impartial advice, or using confidential information provided by the client, then a conflict of interest exists, whether or not the attorney ever has or would violate the fiduciary duties of loyalty, impartiality, and confidentiality. Notably, a conflict of interest does not require actual harm to the client, only potential harm. There is no such thing as a potential conflict of interest. A conflict of interest exists as soon as the potential for harm is created whether or not the harm ever materializes. The risk of harm to the client's interests creates the conflict of interest. So the question is not whether a conflict exists, but how serious a conflict it presents. In some cases, the risk of harm may be too small to create a meaningful conflict, or an attorney's legal duties may themselves prevent the conflict from arising. But the conflict still exists. It simply is not a material conflict that requires an attorney to decline or withdraw from representation. 
The paradigmatic conflict of interest exists when an attorney represents directly adverse parties or one client litigating a claim against another. Notably, a conflict of interest exists whenever clients are directly adverse to any action, even if the attorney represents neither client in that action. Co-defendants and co-plaintiffs may be directly adverse because cross-claims and third-party claims create direct adversity. And potential claims may also create direct adversity, even if they are never filed. Accordingly, attorneys should be wary whenever they represent clients on the opposite sides of any transaction. Any potential adversity may create a conflict of interest. A conflict of interest may exist without direct adversity. If an attorney represents two clients with opposing interests, it may materially limit the attorney's ability to represent both clients because it may create an incentive for the attorney to compromise those interests. If dual representation could affect the attorney's decisions, then a conflict of interest exists. Conflicts of interest can arise unexpectedly, as a client's interests may change over time. Accordingly, a conflicts analysis can never be a one-and-done practice. Attorneys must always be vigilant to identify and resolve conflicts of interest whenever they arise. However, a conflict of interest may or may not be material. A conflict of interest is material if it creates a substantial risk of providing an incentive for an attorney to violate a fiduciary duty to a client. But by extension, a conflict of interest is not material if it does not create such a risk. Attorneys must obtain the informed consent of their client in order to resolve a material conflict of interest. But attorneys need not obtain informed consents in order to resolve an immaterial conflict of interest because no actual conflict exists. It can be difficult to determine whether a conflict is material and immaterial conflicts have an unfortunate tendency to become material. Waivable conflicts of interest. If a material conflict of interest exists, then the attorney must determine whether it is waivable. Some conflicts are waivable, but others are not. Specifically, a conflict is waivable only if it does not make representation prohibited or impossible under the circumstances. For example, some attorneys, typically former government employees, are prohibited by law from representing certain clients. So that is a conflict of interest that cannot be waived. Likewise, courts have uniformly held that attorneys cannot represent parties to an action with claims against each other. So that is also a conflict of interest that cannot be waived.
However, many courts have held that attorneys can represent directly adverse clients so long as the attorney does not represent both clients in the same matter and both clients provide informed consent. So that is a conflict of interest that may be waived. Informed consent. If a waivable conflict of interest exists, then the attorney must obtain informed consent to the conflict from the client or clients. For example, if an attorney's interests conflict with a client's interest, then the attorney must obtain informed consent from the client. If a client's interests conflict with another client's interest, then the attorney must obtain informed consent from both clients. And if a client's interests conflict with a third party's interests, then the attorney must obtain informed consent from the client. Sometimes obtaining informed consent is easy. For example, a formal conflict of interest may not create a real conflict of interest, and the client may readily consent. Indeed, some clients may even see some formal conflicts of interest as advantages rather than liabilities. One person's conflict of interest may be another person's investment in the outcome. But other times, obtaining informed consent may be difficult or impossible. A former client may well resent their former attorney representing an adversary and withhold consent. And a quasi-client may be even more likely to harbor misgivings. In those circumstances, even a relatively trivial conflict of interest may become a barrier to representation, obtaining informed consent to a conflict of interest. An attorney may represent a client despite a conflict of interest only if the attorney obtains informed consent to the conflict from the client, ideally in writing. In order to obtain informed consent, the attorney must provide the client with adequate disclosure of the conflict. Specifically, the attorney must disclose any and all competing interests that could create a conflict. And the attorney must explain the nature of every conflict and how they could affect the attorney's representation of the client, including the attorney's fiduciary duties of loyalty, impartiality, and confidentiality. In addition, attorneys should and often must obtain informed consent to any conflicts before commencing representation and typically cannot obtain valid informed consent when terminating representation. Breaches of the duty of loyalty. Attorneys have a fiduciary duty of loyalty to their clients. And attorneys who breach that duty of loyalty may be liable for malpractice. Typically, attorneys breach their duty of loyalty by ignoring or concealing a conflict of interest. A conflict of interest reflects an incentive to breach the duty of loyalty. And attorneys who act on that incentive have probably committed malpractice.
the scope of the duty of loyalty. While attorneys owe their clients both a duty of care and a duty of loyalty, the duties are not the same. The duty of care requires reasonable care under the circumstances, but the duty of loyalty is an absolute duty. In other words, attorneys must always be vigilant for conflicts of interest. And if a conflict arises, attorneys must either resolve the conflict or withdraw from representation. Current Client Conflicts of Interest Attorneys have fiduciary duties of care, loyalty, impartiality, and confidentiality to both the clients they intend to represent and the quasi-clients they do not. Sometimes, it is unclear whether a conflict of interest implicates the duty of care or the duty of loyalty. Typically, attorneys have more than one client at a time. Whenever they contemplate forming a new attorney-client relationship, they must determine whether it would create a conflict of interest with one of their existing clients. And they must always be attentive to the possibility that conflicts of interest will arise between different clients. In case a conflict of interest exists with respect to a new client or arises with respect to an existing client, attorneys must obtain informed consent from all of their clients affected by the conflict or withdraw from representation. Prospective informed consent. Obtaining a client's informed consent to a conflict of interest after it arises can be difficult. After all, it may not be in the client's interest to consent to the conflict. Accordingly, many lawyers ask new clients to provide informed consent to conflicts that may arise in the course of representation. Conflicts of law. When courts decide whether a conflict of interest exists and how to evaluate it, they must also decide what law to apply. For state courts, the choice of law question is relatively easy. They must apply the state law governing lawyers, although they may refer to federal law and general principles in interpreting the state law. But for federal courts, the choice of law question is more complicated. They are necessarily reviewing the actions of attorneys who are members of a state bar and subject to state rules. But they also have their own bar and may consider national rules and principles. Accordingly, federal courts must decide whether to apply state or national law in determining whether a conflict of interest exists and how to evaluate any conflicts of interest they find. Former Client Conflicts of Interest Attorneys have fiduciary duties not only to their current clients, but also to their former clients. While some of an attorney's fiduciary duties apply only to current clients, other duties survive the attorney-client relationship. For example, the duty of care typically applies only to current clients, although an attorney may also have a duty of care 
not to negligently harm the interests of former clients. The duty of loyalty applies primarily to current clients, but also applies to former clients in certain circumstances. And the duty of confidentiality applies with equal force to both current and former clients. Associational Conflicts of Interest When attorneys are associated with each other in a partnership, firm, or similar organization, a conflict of interest affecting one of the associated attorneys may be imputed to the other attorneys who are members of the association. For example, associated attorneys typically may not represent clients with adverse interests, just like individual attorneys may not represent clients with adverse interests. Associated attorneys may not represent new clients whose interests are adverse to the interests of a client of an associated attorney. And if the clients of an associated attorney develop adverse interests, the attorneys may be required to withdraw from representation. Conflicts of interest do not necessarily preclude representation. The clients of associated attorneys may provide informed consent to representation despite the conflict, just like the clients of individual attorneys. Often, the clients of associated attorneys have conflicts of interest relating to the duty of confidentiality. If the conflict in question can be resolved by informed consent, associated attorneys often can avoid violating the duty of confidentiality by adopting screening procedures that prevent attorneys representing one client from accessing confidential information provided by the other client. Specific Conflicts of Interest Under the model rules of professional conduct, special rules govern the attorney-client relationship in specific circumstances and define obligations imposed by the attorney's fiduciary duties. Attorneys may engage in financial transactions with their clients only if the transaction is fair and reasonable to the client and the attorney obtains the client's informed consent to the transaction in writing. But Rule 1.8 also imposes another specific obligation on attorneys in relation to other potential agreements and transactions with other clients. For example, it requires attorneys to obtain informed consent before using confidential client information to the detriment of the client and limits the ability of attorneys to receive gifts from or make loans to their clients. And personal conflicts of interest. A romantic relationship between lawyer and client can involve unfair exploitation of the lawyer's fiduciary rule in violation of the lawyer's basic ethical obligation not to use the trust of the client to the client's disadvantage. In addition, such a relationship presents a significant danger that because of the lawyer's emotional involvement, the lawyer will be unable to represent the client without impairment of the exercise of independent professional judgment.
Moreover, a blurred line between the professional and personal relationships may make it difficult to predict to what extent client confidences will be protected by the attorney-client evidentiary privilege. Since the client confidences are protected by privilege only when they are imparted in the context of the client-lawyer relationship. However, romantic relationships that predate the client-lawyer relationship are not prohibited. Issues relating to the exploitation of the fiduciary relationship and client dependency are diminished when the romantic relationship existed prior to the commencement of the client-lawyer relationship. However, before proceeding with the representation in these circumstances, the lawyer should consider whether the lawyer's ability to represent the client will be materially limited by the relationship. Thank you, everybody. That's all I'd like to talk about in this section. Take care.